today we are continuing in our sermon series through Psalms. We're going to actually take a look at two different ones, portion of verse 71, as well as a few verses out of Psalm 78. But we start in Psalm 71, so I invite you to turn over there with me. Uh, you'll find it on page 573 in your pew Bible. So if you didn't bring a Bible with you today and you don't like to use the app, Bible app, by the way, there's a Bible app, but if you don't like to use that, you're welcome to pick up the Pew Bible and turn on over to page 573. That'll get, to, that'll get you to Psalm 71. And we're going to pick up in verse 14 of Psalm 71, read through verse 18, and then we'll flip over to, to Psalm 78 and read verses 4 through 8 there. But beginning in Psalm 71, verse 14. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And then in Psalm 78, verses 4 through 8, here the psalmist says to us, We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation their praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. We do have our Kingdom Kids ministry today for those who are four years old through second grade and our Kingdom Kids workers are heading to the foyer. So if you have a four-year-old through second grade and you like them to participate in that, they have a chance to learn and worship at their level right next door in our education building. And that's where you can pick them up after service. And parents, if you're a first-timer participating in Kingdom Kids, just know the door locks behind them. So you'll have to get some uh, photo ID, make sure you prove who you are for you to take off with any kiddos, okay? But they're going to have a great time over there learning and worshiping at their level. And I just, I say it often, but it's just a really, especially... Today's topic in the Psalms, it's a really great noise to hear. All those kiddos getting up and moving forward. And parents love hearing them go, don't you parents? It's just a nice sound. Okay, before we dive in today, let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for what has already been an incredibly blessed time together. And God, as we open your word, as we seek to understand what you have to say to us, I pray that our minds would be open to you, our hearts would be soft towards you, and God, our will 
will be strengthened by you that we might go out and live what you have taught us through the scriptures this morning. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do his work in our lives to do what only he can do, to help us to know you and follow you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the focus of today's message is going to be on the next generation. We see that in Psalms. We see it in these two Psalms in particular. And whenever I think about this idea or this reality that it's, it's, the, it's our job as parents and it's our job as the church to hand the faith off to an upcoming generation. Whenever I think about that, I often, if not always, think of my home church in Wortham where I grew up. I was lucky enough I got my mom and my grandmother here with me and my niece and nephew to be a part of uh, Ava's baptism. And all my growing up years were spent in a little town smaller than Kennedy, Wortham, Texas, if you ever heard of it. Just a thousand folks there. And uh, pretty early on, I started going to RAs, which is Royal Ambassadors. It was a kids program for boys. And then you had GAs, Girls in Action. That was a program for the girls, obviously. And it was a chance for us to learn together about God and the Bible, but it was also a chance for us to learn about the mission God has put Christians on in this world, which is to share the good news of Jesus with others. And a part of that is to share the good news of Jesus with the new generation. And what I always valued about my home church there in Wortham, and actually I got a picture of it. Aaron, you show the picture? That's First Baptist Wortham. I was... Uh, I was baptized in that church as a little kid, and I, va I vaguely remember it, if at all, but I know I didn't have my conversion experience. I didn't become a Christian until, actually, I was a teenager at 16, but I was baptized there as a little kiddo. I was married there, and uh, I may be buried there. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's First Baptist Wortham, and I lived right across the street from here, just kind of catty corner from the church. And the church, much like ours, had a big emphasis on children and youth. So we had programs and activities for children. We even had part-time and then sometimes full-time youth ministers who would come through and work with the students. And so I progressed up through RAs. And what I remember from RAs, learning a little bit about the Bible, but what I remember most was playing hangman. Uh, I don't know if you know that game. But I remember playing hangman on the chalkboard, and it was always some kind of biblical theme. And but all the space, and you know, you just want to win. That's what you're there for. You don't know you're getting biblical knowledge. You're just there for the W. But it was a lot of fun, and so I kept coming back. And then when I got into junior high, I started going because my friends were going to the youth group there. And as you've heard me say before, and is the case for some of you, uh, there were cute girls there. My wife being one of them. And that helped out a lot, too. And so I started going to youth group, and I was involved in the Sunday morning Bible study. What well, we have small groups. We have the same kind of thing for the youth. And then going on Wednesday night to the youth ministry, much like what we have on Wednesday night for our youth. It was in that context that I began to understand what sin is, what grace is, uh, and had my first opportunity to preach at 16 years old. And I never opened the Bible before. It was the first time I opened the Bible. To prepare my first sermon, I know. I had to borrow a Bible from my brother, and uh, I never gave it back to him. So technically, I stole my first Bible. So <laughs> I think there's something in the Ten Commandments about that. But I think God may, you know, he, he's forgiven me since then. And I opened up his Bible, read the passages of the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, where Jesus is sending people. He, he's taking his disciples. He says, go. I've given you a mission in the world. Go tell people about me. 
This is where we get the phrase, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, baptize them in my name. Teach them about me. Show them what it means to live as a Christian. That's a paraphrase, but you go and read it. Matthew, into Matthew 28. That's what he's saying. He's sending Christians out on a mission. Very much like what we see in the Psalms. A mission to take the good news of Jesus and share it with others. And particularly in the Psalms, it's about sharing the good news with the new generation. My church, my home church, I think did that really well. They not only taught us and loved us and fed us, but they gave me an opportunity to serve God and to find a calling in the midst of being just a young student in the youth ministry and to know that that's what God had for me the rest of my life. And so I've been doing that, literally, I've been doing that ever since then. Ever since 16 years old, I've been doing something in ministry in the life of the church, mostly in youth ministry and in pastoring. And I, as I was thinking back about that this week, I couldn't help but think of what Pat shared at Rosemary's 10-year anniversary. And I asked her if she would come and share a little bit about that uh, as she did last week. So Pat, go ahead and come up. Because when I was going over this, I was thinking about, it made me think about, okay, that was my experience. What was it like to be on the other side? To see these young children become youth, become adults. To see them go from being goofy and rambunctious to taking God seriously and even entering into ministry. And when I heard Pat's testimony, I said, well, that's what it's like to be on the other side of that. Because Pat got to see that, and I wanted her to share that with you. Pat, come and share that with us. Well, I was, I was blessed this week when I got a group text from Rosemary Vickery. Uh, she's doing um, Kids on Mission on Wednesday nights. She directs that. And she's including a group of us in a text every once in a while that tells what the kids are doing, shows pictures of the kids with their mission projects, what they're going to be doing. Uh, it, it takes me back years and years and years and years ago to when I first met Rosemary. I was, um, I, I was a young woman. I had one baby at home. She was a year old. And I got a call one afternoon from Glenn Van Landingham who said, um, Ruth Bingham needs help with GAs. Would you consider working with her one afternoon a week to help with GAs? And my response was, well, what is GAs? And, and so he explained, it's the Girls in Action. It's the missions group for girls in elementary school. He said, just go with Ruth, she'll tell you what to do. So I, I did it. I came up here that afternoon in September and Ruth walked me across the street to this old building over here. It was the primary school at the time. She said, you're gonna pick up the, the young girls from school. So we went over there, we stood in the hall, the bell rang to end school and out came all the kids and two little girls walked up to us, Rosemary Vickery and Joy Underbrink, cute girls. They were uh, first or second grade. We walked them back over here to what was then called the educational building. It's now the old educational building. But back then, that's where we did all the children's stuff. And um, so Ruth handed me a magazine, said do the activities in this magazine. And so I sat down with those girls and we did GAs. Ruth took the older ones and it was fun. We did GAs all year. We did GAs the next year, um, and I kept working with the young GAs, but the GAs kept growing, 
And so Rosemary and Joy went on to be the older GAs, and then they went on to the youth group. Um, and I would see them in whenever the youth did something in church, the musical presentation or any kind of acti youth activity, I would see them growing up in that group. They, uh, and then came high school, graduation, and like most kids, soon after graduation, off they went, and we, we didn't see them much anymore after that. But Rosemary, after several years, she and Tommy moved back to Kennedy, and they came into the church, uh, they came into the community and got involved, they came into the church and they got involved, and uh, I, I began to see Rosemary at different events. I went to the par a Bible study with Judith Williams over at the Parsonage uh, that year, and one day I went to the Bible study, and Rosemary was there. And it occurred to me that I needed to ask her to help us with GAs. I was still doing GAs. We needed help, always, always needed help. So I asked her if she would consider coming and working with GAs. And she thought about it and said yes. She, and she came back, and I thought, this is really cool. She's, we, I've come full circle. This girl, I taught her as a young girl, and now she's a young woman, and she's coming back, and she's going to teach GAs. Um, she did that for a few years, and then she came to us and said, I, I think I want to start Act Teens. Act Teens was missions for the uh, girls that were youth group age, the middle school and high school girls, and so she did. She she moved from GAs to teaching Act Teens, um, and as the years went by, you would see her involved in um, all kinds of things, Bible school, children's camp, youth camp, the choir productions. Um, it, it was just, she, she and her family got so involved and to the point where when John Wheat was pastor, she came on staff uh, as the children's coordinator and then later as the ministry assistant um, and became a full-time staff member. It was uh, a few years ago that I realized that I was a Sunday school teacher and I was working under Rosemary Vickery because as children's minister, she was the children's Sunday school director. So, so there I knew I had really come full circle with her. Uh, she's now also the director of the Kids on Mission on Wednesday nights. And so she keeps me up to date on what's going on with those kids by sending me that group text. It's a simple thing, but it's keeping me involved. It's, uh, it's keeping our group involved. Um, and it inspires me to pray for our children. I think Rosemary's doing such a great job as our children's ministry leader. And it, it just goes back to what Matt keeps saying over and over again. Our children and our youth carry the future of our church. So uh, thank you, Rosemary, for keeping me in the loop. I didn't tell Rose we were doing that. A little bit, a little bit of surprise, just surprise. But that wasn't about you, Rosemary, just so you know. But what you see it's about is working with the next generation who eventually works beside you and then eventually they leave. And that is not a new idea. That's not some fancy thing Baptist churches came up with. 
We see it right here in Scripture. The emphasis to take the faith and pass it on to the next generation. But what at least Psalm 71 is focused on is that it is a testimony in the midst of trying times that God has been faithful to me since a child. Since I was a child, God has been with me. And so I will continue to proclaim the acts of God. Verse 17, since my youth, God, you have taught me. It's a testimony of a family of faith that made sure that this psalmist knew who God was and what God had done and made sure that, that this psalmist as a youth knew not only do we want you to know, but we want the generations to follow you to know. And that is part of your job. And that's what the psalmist does. It's exactly what the psalmist does. He does what had been done to him, what Rosemary is doing that she experienced under Pat, that I'm doing as I experienced it in my home church, and that many of our youth are doing even in our churches. You've seen them step out and lead and lead worship. What I want to talk about is building upon a strength that we have as a church. We are a church that is serious about passing along the faith from one generation to the next. We invest a lot in our children's, many, children's ministry and in our youth ministry. And that is incredibly important. And our church is not just begrudgingly doing it. We are enthusiastically doing it. So I'm not going to share with you a challenge to pick up and do something we're not doing. I want to encourage you in a strength that we have to continue to press into this because this is vital. Because we want a church for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We want a healthy, vibrant, Jesus-centered, Bible-believing church for generations to come. And we have something to do with that. So I, I think there's at least three ways that you see what's happening in this psalmist's life. He's looking back as a youth. He's pledging what he will do in the present. And he's looking ahead. And we will all be in one of those positions at some point or another. We're either the new generation, the current generation, or the generation that is passing on. That we will, everyone will find ourselves in one of those places at some point. And so in the new generation, if I could just encourage our children and our students to continue to come, continue to learn, continue to take opportunities to serve the Lord in your church as opportunities are given and make the most of that. And as you do that, I want to encourage you to honor those who are over you. Whatever ministry you're involved in, you're going to have an adult that is over you, that's giving direction and instructions. Honor them. Be a good pupil. Be a good learner. Be someone who sees that there's an adult in your life that wants to invest in you. And that is an incredibly good thing that they want to do. For the current generation that is leading a lot of ministries, they're in the children's ministry, they're in the youth ministry, or at least they could be, I hope you'll see that through, the, through the, these passages that you are playing a part of a, of, of a long history of God's people taking up the role of passing on the faith to the next generation. I want you to see how big and important it is what you do. 
I'm not saying that if you're not working in children's and youth ministry, you aren't doing big and important things because you are. There's a lot of things that aren't directly children and youth ministry that many of you do that make our church go. And we are very, very grateful for that. And that's a sermon for another day. The sermon today is, is if you are involved in children and youth, I want you to see how big of an important of a role you play. But I bet there are some here this morning that are part of that current generation that could be serving with children and youth. There are some of you that aren't yet, but maybe you've started to feel a pull towards that. Maybe you've wanted to get involved in our Sunday morning Bible study with students or our Wednesday night children's ministry, our Sunday morning Bible study with children, or we, we have our children's ministry Wednesday night, youth ministry. Maybe you're starting to feel the pull of that. And you see what we're doing, you say, well, maybe God would have me be a part of that. Maybe I want to play a bigger role in that. I want to encourage you to press into that. Talk to Rosemary about children's ministry. Right now, you can talk to me about youth ministry until we find a permanent youth leader. We want to hear from you. And in fact, if I could encourage you in one direction, we have a lot of help in the youth ministry. We actually are very blessed with a lot of help there. The children's ministry is the one that really needs more help. Even, even though we have Rosemary over the children's ministry, Bible study and Wednesday night, she does need some help. If you are willing to help with that, I just want you to see that is a big deal. You have an incredible role in the life of our church to help form a new generation. But the psalmist also looks ahead. I don't know that he's there yet because he says when. So I'm guessing he's part of the current generation. But he knows that at one point he will be a part of the generation that is passing away. And he says this to God. Verse 18. Even when I am old and gray. When? So he's anticipating. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. What I want you to hear those who are in that generation that maybe the time of working one-on-one with, with students or children and doing that week to week, maybe that time has come and gone for you. Maybe. It doesn't mean that you don't have a very important role to play in children and youth ministry. In fact, what I would encourage you to do is think about everything you're already doing in the church. Because some of you, you're not in children and youth, but you're doing a lot of ministry in our church. And I want you to think about what you're doing in the life of our church, whether you're serving on committees or helping with worship or doing some other important ministry, Bible study leaders in our church, is that you are keeping our church going, moving forward. You are keeping our church advancing. You are helping continue a strong foundation in our church. Even if you are not directly in children and youth ministry, you are helping our church stand so that the next generation will have a church to inherit. To have a church to step in and lead and be a part of. So I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. I'm not saying you need to jump into children and youth ministry. I just want you to think about you are doing not just finances of the church. You're helping the church have strong finances for years to come for future generations. You're not just doing Bible study with ladies. You are talking to moms and grandmothers and those working with children and youth. And you're encouraging them in their faith as they work with them. In all sorts of ways, what you are doing is impacting the next generation. And that's what the psalmist wants. He says, I want to declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. 
Now, let me kind of take a break from that and talk about parenting. Because the reality is, is that the church is here to support you as parents in your work of discipling your children. The, the truth is, is that your job as a parent is the primary discipleship maker for your children. The, the church is not to replace you as the one who tells them about Christ and helps them learn about the scriptures and learn what it means to follow God. That's your job. We're just here to help. We're here to assist. Now, I will tell you, sometimes the church does have to step in if there's not a believing parent. And we've seen that, and we're thankful for that, that if there's a parent or grandparent that doesn't bring their kiddos to church and they get involved here, we get to do that. But for parents who are here this morning and you've got kids in the house or grandparents who have a role to play in your grandchildren's life, you're the primary ones. Church is going to be secondary to the discipleship work in your family's life. You are primary. And that, I'm a parent. Four kiddos. You saw one of them this morning, Miss Ava, getting baptized. It, it can feel like a daunting role, can it? It can feel like a heavy weight. It can feel like, I mean, even as a pastor, I, how do you do this? You know, I want my kids to love church. I want them to love the Lord. How do I not mess this up? How do I, how do, I do this well? It's challenging, isn't it? It's a very difficult thing. One thing I see in the life of the psalmist is that the psalmist has... He has uh, embodied God in his life. He has centered his life on God. If there's anything I could say to you as a parent just to encourage you, and to even encourage myself, is that while there's a lot of things you could do, and there's probably a lot of books you could read, and there's a lot of helpful stuff out there, and if you talk to Rosemary and me, maybe we could help point you in some right direction when it comes to that kind of thing. But really... The most important thing you can do in your parenting as you pass on your faith to the next generation is to invest in your faith yourself. That is the most important thing you can do as a parent who wants to pass on the faith to a new generation, to your children, who will pass it on to their children. To do that effectively, you have to embody it yourself. You have to experience the Lord yourself. You have to do all the things that maybe you already know to do. But you're not just doing it for you. When you sit and read the Bible in the morning, when you're tired, and you woke up early, and you got a long day ahead of you, you're not just reading the Bible for you. You're reading it for your kids. Or if you're taking care of your grandkids, or your nieces or nephews, you're doing it for them. When you pray and you don't know what to pray, or you have so much to pray that you can't even sort it out in your own mind, but you're just struggling to pray and you're just doing your best. You're not just praying for you. You're praying for your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. You're doing it for them. When you would rather sleep in than come to Bible study or the worship service on Sunday morning, and you make that sacrifice to be here, you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or your nephews. See, when, when I, as a father take seriously my life with God. Not my life as a pastor, not my job, but when I take seriously my life with God, it's not just for me. It's for my kids. And it's for you. And that's how it is for every single one of us. See, somebody is relying upon your walk with the Lord. Somebody in your life will be impacted, young or old, by your life with God. See, this is why I have baptism candidates share their testimony because their testimony I guarantee someone here 
was impacted by one of their testimonies, if not all three. It hits you differently. You may tune me out, but you heard something in that baptism video. That's the power of one person's life with God. So when you invest your life in God, when you spend time with God, when you make the sacrifices that we all have to make in order to make God a priority in our life, it's not just for you. Of course you're going to benefit. Of course it's going to be a good thing for you. But when you do that, you are blessing other people, particularly the next generation with mature, godly person that they can count on. One of the saddest verses, I think, in all of Scripture comes out of Second Judges, or comes out of Judges chapter 2, excuse me. Judges chapter 2, verse 10 says, After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, which is another way of saying that generation passed on. After a whole generation had been gathered to the ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Do you hear what's being recorded here? One generation passed away and did not hand off the faith to the next generation. So the next generation grew up and did not know the Lord or what the Lord had done for their people. What, what one generation will take for granted, the next generation will forget. And I'm thankful that we're in a church that, that I get to pastor a church that is not going to let that happen. That's not going to let children and youth slip through the cracks. And as parents, I just want to encourage you. There's, you can feel the weight of it, but just invest your life in God and that will have incredible impact on your children. If we take for granted our children's ministry, our youth ministry. If we take for granted our role in the life of our children as spiritual leaders, if we take those things for granted, there's a very good chance that for our children it will be forgotten. And may that never be the case. Because my conviction is, is that Jesus came into the world not to save some, but to give an opportunity for all to know him, for all to trust him, for all to believe in him, and all to come to a saving faith in Christ that they may know that there is a future in heaven for them. And that is such good news that I don't want to keep that to myself. I want my kids to know it. I want your kids to know it. I want the children and students in our community to know that. That is too good a news to keep to ourselves. Amen? That is too good a news to keep to ourselves. And so we want to be a church. We want to be parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts. We want to be those who take seriously this role of passing on the faith from one generation to the next. So if you are in children's ministry, in youth ministry, take heart. It can be hard. It can be exhausting, right? There are times where you don't want to be here and it wears you out a little bit. But you know the highlights of that. You know how wonderful it can be. Be encouraged, you are doing good work. That season may have passed you on. That's not your calling. By doing whatever it is God has called you to do, you are impacting the church as a whole in a positive way. And we can thank God for that. And for those who are coming up in our church to serve and to lead, this is a place for you. This is a place for you to know the Lord, to follow the Lord, to worship God, because Jesus wants all, as the scriptures say, he came that all may know him. And as a church, that is our role, is to declare the good news of Jesus, just as the psalmist did, to let people know this is who God is. 
God is love. This is what God has done. He has given us Jesus that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be made right with God, and that we might have an eternity, a future forever with him. And I, I think about, like Pat was saying, she can look back now and see how God worked in all those situations, through all those years. But guess what? One day we will too. It may not be on this side of heaven. It may be a reunion in heaven, and we will get to see the impact we made. But one day we'll get to say, I was a part of a generation that handed off the faith to the next generation. And look what God has done. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning thankful for all who are making an impact in the next generation. Those who are hands-on and those who are supporting in a variety of ways. Father, we are grateful for your servants. I pray that you would encourage them through your word this morning that what they are doing is incredibly important work. Help them be encouraged by that, uplifted so that they may continue in that work. Pray that you'd build our church through the next generation. That we would continue and even advance what we have done so far to raise up a generation that knows you, worships you, follows you, serves you, and leads others to do the same. We know that's what you want for us because that's what we see in Scripture that you have always wanted for your people. To tell those who are coming along of who you are and what you've done. God, we can't do that without you. We pray that you'd help us with that. Through, through your Holy Spirit, you would show us the way. In all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.